Hello, my name is Pastor Pete Beck III. I am with LifeNet, or as we call it, Life Community Network, in Burlington, North Carolina. This is part one of a new series called The Privileges and Responsibilities of Godly Manhood. We live at a time in which many minimize the God-given distinctions between men and women. Some even insist that gender is fluid and optional. The source of this dangerously flawed thinking is a deeply embedded rebellion against God. Many people do not like how God made them and seek to overthrow his choice for their lives. Without the change of heart and thinking that comes through Christ and because of our sinful nature, people insist on governing their lives as they see fit without reference to God or his ways. Even those of us who follow Christ must battle the destructive impulse to try to live independently from God. When we choose to submit to Christ's Lordship, the Holy Spirit begins to transform our thinking, which will result in a change in how we live. The Spirit's goal is to bring every area of our lives into alignment with God's perfect order and will. Not only will this glorify God, but it will also maximize our fulfillment and happiness. What does it mean to be a surrendered man? What are our unique privileges as men? What is the burden of our responsibility? This series will look at the two important roles that God may give us, husband and father, and the importance of leaving a positive legacy. Christians live in a tension between that which was, already is, and that which is coming. Sometimes the lines blur between the last two, making life challenging to navigate. When Jesus died on the cross, he put to death much of the old order of things and birthed a new resurrection reality. Paul wrote in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, the following aspects of the old order of things died with him. Number one, racism. When Jesus the Jew died on the cross, God destroyed the inherent spiritual difference between the Jews and those outside the covenant promises. Jesus' resurrection created one new man in Christ, the church. All forms of racism will, were dealt a death blow. You can read about this in Ephesians 2, verse 15. Number two. Legalism was put to death. The law's power to point out our failures and condemn us was put to death on the cross. Jesus' resurrection gave birth to a new age of living in the power of the Spirit. There is a fundamental difference between trying hard to please God and life in the Spirit. Number three, religion and ritual ended. Sacrifice Circumcision, Sabbath observance, and the temple were rendered obsolete 
after the resurrection. Jesus fulfilled all of these shadows that pointed towards his life, crucifixion, resurrection, and lordship. Number four, the end of gender and socioeconomic distinctions. When Jesus rose from the dead, he put to death the old order of things, which often focused on outward distinctions, such as race, gender, and social status. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. In the new resurrection reality, there is no longer male-female distinction in the spirit. We have a dynamic gender tension, however. Jesus said that in heaven there will be no marriage because gender roles will be a thing of the past. Matthew 22, verse 30. However, we now live in the dynamic tension between what is and what is to come. We live in bodies that are still part of the old Adamic order of things, but we have born-again spirits which are in union with God and the new resurrection reality. We are born into this world as either male or female. Our sexual identity affects us physically, emotionally, and in countless other ways. We are wired differently in our brains, have different muscular and skeletal structures, and have been given radically different functions in the reproductive process. To pretend that there are no essential differences is to be in willful denial. God separated Adam into male and female to illustrate that we need each other for completion. Together, we are able more perfectly to reflect God's image. As Christians, we must navigate the challenging tension of the already here and not yet aspect of God's kingdom. Spiritually, there is no male or female, but naturally, there is. How do we integrate the two? Since God created us with the ability to interface with the natural and the spiritual worlds, we are challenged to discover what aspects of each dimension have priority at the present time in a given situation. In this natural world, which we presently inhabit, we have God-given gender-specific roles. Only a man can be a father and a husband, despite the protest by the radical left to the contrary. To rebel against this creation order of things is to rebel against God himself. However, to limit our understanding and application solely on the natural order of things is to miss out on some of the wonders of the resurrection and revert back to legalism. God can take any aspect of the resurrection and apply it to our present natural reality any time he desires. That is important. Before Christ's resurrection, the only way to be included in God's covenant with Abraham was to join the Jewish covenant community. This meant adhering to the law with all its commandments and regulations. It also meant that every male had to be circumcised as an external sign of his covenant inclusion and commitment. Circumcision was uniquely male, of course, signifying that males had greater privilege and access to God. 
This was reinforced in the law of Moses with regard to sanctuary access. Women were kept on the outside. Women were not regarded as reliable witnesses and not afforded the same educational opportunities as men. Their intrinsic worth was valued below men by the law of Moses. Jesus came to undo all of these inequalities through his death and resurrection. The one new man created in him through his resurrection includes both male and female, slave and free, and Jew and Gentiles. It blurs every distinction that formerly separated us. The church is the greatest of all melting pots. At first, the early Christians assumed that the requirement of circumcision was still in effect. Why would it not be? It was clearly stated in the scriptures, as you can read in Genesis 17:14. It was shocking to Peter when he witnessed an uncircumcised Gentile named Cornelius begin to speak in tongues, proving that God had filled him with the Holy Spirit. This is found in Acts 11, 15 through 18. Such an event demanded a revision of his practical theology. After all, our theology should be one that God actually follows. Paul became the spokesman for this new theological understanding, which he clearly laid out in his letter to the Romans. He explained that circumcision is no longer necessary under the new resurrection order of things called the new covenant. Now what is required is faith in the finished work of Christ. Galatians 5, 6 says it well. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, it makes no difference to God whether we're circumcised or not circumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Christ fulfilled the law, thereby making its ritual aspects obsolete. True circumcision is now something spiritual that happens on the inside, in the heart, as a result of the new birth and the indwelling spirit. Philippians 3.3 3. For followers of Christ, now to submit to outward circumcision as a means to obtain a right standing with God would be reverting to old covenant externals and legalism and would result in our quote, falling from grace, end of quote. Galatians 5, 1 through 4. New covenant believers must stand on faith in Christ's finished work or not to stand at all. What does this have to do with our topic? Not only is circumcision no longer critical in the resurrection reality that Christ introduced, but other things have changed as well. What about the distinction between men and women in God's kingdom? Judaism offered women greater nobility and protection than other religions, but Jesus took things to a whole new level by including women in his band of disciples. He dignified women by first appearing to them after his resurrection, making them the very first to witness his resurrection glory. Women were also significant ministers in the early church. How did Paul make the huge leap to go from including women in the band of disciples to saying there is neither male nor female? He saw the spirit at work in women.
just as he saw evidence of the Spirit's work in the uncircumcised Cornelius. He also knew that there was an Old Testament antecedent. God raised up Deborah to lead Israel and command generals. When we observe a present work of the Spirit that is corroborated by a biblical antecedent, we have the ability to declare a theological a theology of resurrection reality. This is what Paul did regarding circumcision and regarding women. But please, do not assume at this point that I am throwing out all teaching on male headship. I am not. In this present male-female oriented natural world, we still have gender-specific roles to play. Some of these roles are non-transferable. Others are more malleable. Hopefully, this series of articles will help to shed some light on these things and help us to better understand and fulfill our gender-specific roles in life.